Welcome to another instalment of In the Abyss. Um, we've been away for about four weeks, kind of. This is the first episode back where things are back to normal, so we might be a little bit rusty. Um, I'm off the drink, which in itself is is quite alarming. Um, it won't be a permanent thing, but now doing this on a Friday night without a beer, it feels a little bit weird, but things should stay the same anyway. Um so yeah, you know, like I said, we've been away for a while. We're um, we, we're sort of trying to get back to normal tonight. Um, got quite a lot to talk about, and you know, some opinions to get across, and no doubt some moans and grumbles, especially with the way things are in the UK at the moment, getting us all down, feeling like we're being trodden on. So let's try and uh, try and keep it a bit positive this week, and uh, and talk about the things we we love and Machine Head as well. So. Um, how are you both doing? Are, are, are you are you off the beer because of what the judge said? <laughs> no, I'm off the beer out of choice. It was um, after being out of work for several weeks and then going on holiday and then bloodstock. I feel like my system needs a bit of a detox from it all. So, <clears throat> so it's time to take a, a few weeks off off the drink and you know get back to normal. So, is that is that black current? It's Diet Coke. Oh, no. oh that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cold. What's it's it's so chemical? hot. What's the chemical they put in Diet Coke? Is it uh, tartrazine? I, mean, it's, I think it's, you know, it's basically. No, it's tartrazine, I think it is. It's like it's the chemical sugar, but it's just as bad for you as sugar is. Well, a lot of things, a lot of um, sugar-free drinks have got aspartame in them, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which that's, that's, the, stuff. You, that's the stuff that sends kids loopy. Why don't you just go and drink like a bottle of Terps or something? <laughs> We've been I've been drinking things like Schlur and um, and you know non-alcoholic Stoford Press cider and stuff like that, which to be fair isn't bad, but it's no I I, I need to do it for my own sanity. So wasn't Schlur the fizzy drink in Futurama? I don't know. That, that's 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 a little bit obscure for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm off the caffeine. I've been off the caffeine for six months. It's um, it's weird. So um, yeah, if I drink coke anytime soon, I'll probably have a heart attack. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, best, best, best steer clear of that. Um, so while we've been away, um, what have we been listening to? Anything interesting? Um, Angel, damnation, the domination, um, and then uh, Chaka Khan. <laughs> and uh the cranberries i haven't listened so much about all this um I play well no new anyway i mean i've got my uh i've got my, i've got a couple of my playlists on spotify got now um what was i didn't really oh that that band that you saw um bloodstock i mean is it amiosis uh iriosis or whatever they could Iriosis. Yeah, that was. Yeah, tough. I listened to a few tracks. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm still not forming an opinion. It sounds alright. I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to uh, more stuff like that when I get back home. No, I mean, you know, I still swear by early Cranberry stuff. It's one of the first, first proper bands I got into when I was getting into guitar music. Um, still very distinctive. Yeah, very. Still listen to them a lot. Yeah, I've never, I've never been a fan, but um, but they, they, you know, they hold a lot of influence and a lot of clout, don't they? It's, uh, you know, and and you know, they did write some great songs. 
No worries. What about Eurythmics. you? I've been listening to the Eurythmics this week again. You are definitely on a um, on a on a non-metal trip, aren't you? I'm off the beer. You're off the metal. This podcast has <laughs> gone to shit. It's a yeah, thing. There's something about the Eurythmics. I mean, I'm, I've always been a big fan of um, Annie Lennox's voice. So, I mean, yeah, she's, absolutely. She's, she's, she's a proper singer. Yeah. She's classically trained as well. Yeah. And I, I really do. I mean, I wasn't old enough at the time, but I really, you know, kind of admire the the whole, the androgynous look she was going for in the early 80s. I and mean, she really messed with a lot of people's minds where there was, you know, it, it, the he, she thing. And yeah. people yeah. generally were not sure. And now you look at it now and it's blatantly obvious that she was um, a woman dressing up as a man. But back, back then people are like, oh, I don't you know. What's this? What is she, a transvestite or? Yeah. You know, and that's another one. Tra- transvestite is such a shitty word to describe that. <laughs> well, it's probably not a word that gets used anymore, so. No, it shouldn't be. This is probably a good thing. I, I'm just, again, I'm just, I mean, I'm glad it's cooled down, not because of the heat was a problem, but it's just because I'm sick of the, the hysteria around it. Like the, 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 the weather alerts. It's going to be 29 degrees. If you go outside, you're going to burst into flames, and you're just like, it's not. It, yeah, it's it's for, for the UK, it's hot, but it's not. People are not going to die, but they will, and then they'll sue. I want, I want to sue my wife. My wife combusted when she stepped out of Tesco's. Who would you want to sue? The sun. It's always had an attitude problem. It only, it only works a maximum of twelve hours a day, then it pisses off. Maybe you should join a union. <laughs> um, what about you? And what have you been listening to? Uh, where do I start? Um, yeah, no, I've just been, been working my way through various new Wobbin bands at this point. So that's where I'm, I've got to my education, uh, historical. Um, so there's various ones that will probably click more over time. But... Um, Certainly, part you know, apart from the obvious ones I've been into in the past, really digging that at first. Uh, well, probably the only um, Angel Witch album. Well, the um, the self titled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, musically that. really good, big influence. I can see, you know, why it's rated and loved in it, but uh, just really frustrated by the vocals and the lyrics. Just doesn't doesn't work a lot of the time. Um, the, the lyrics you can get away with. You've got a decent vocalist, but. He, the guitarist, he just wasn't suited to that, I don't think. So, um, that's a shame. Of of its era. Yeah. Probably the way to look at it, isn't it? But yeah. But yeah, otherwise it's still very listenable. Um, apart from that, also Witchfinder General. Nice. Really, yeah, really, really like them. Um, I mean, it's odd because obviously they're the most sabbath of all those bands, really. And of course, they didn't last long for because their album's covers weren't, weren't particularly popular. Um but yeah, it's it, it's it, times have been really ahead of their time, didn't they? You know, using those Sabbath riffs, but sometimes they sound like Caius. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one one of those bands that I think you know should have should have stuck around and kept at it. So it's a shame they didn't. But um, yeah, no, I like yeah. those two albums. It's, it's, the, it's the front man of uh, Witchfinder General called Matthew Hopkins. <laughs> no, he's uh, well, no, he's, it wasn't his real name, but he was known as Zeb something, Zeb Parks or something. Weird, but yeah, he's not doing it anymore. Unfortunately, they reformed a few years back with a different yeah. vocalist, but yeah, yeah, no, enjoying those. In terms of new stuff, uh, new Arch Enemy, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah, I've been listening to that. Um, Deceivers, 
Yeah, I kind of I kind of lost a bit of interest after Angela Gosso left. Just lost a bit of track, really. Um, but I'll have to dig dig into those albums recently. But yeah, I mean this this new one's really pretty pretty decent. If, so, if someone wanted to listen to Arch Enemy for the first time, what album should they listen to? Wages of Sin. Yeah, Wages of Sin. Wait, wages of Sin. Yeah, hundred percent. Why? Because it's an absolute fucking belter. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's all you Why? need to know. <laughs> uh, memorable. To be books. fair, it's um, you know, obviously that was the first album with Angela Gossow on vocals, which was a big yeah. jump for them, going from a male vocalist to a female vocalist, especially when that came out. You know, with best part of twenty years ago now. Um, in fact, it, it is it was no, twenty years ago. Was, yeah. yeah, it is twenty years ago. And um, so at the time, it was quite a big deal. And and when you heard it, you know, none of us knew it was a female singer, and it was like fucking hell. But the songs on it and the melody, the solos, the riffs, the choruses, it's, it's kind of got the full the full package. You, you know, it's up there with some of the best Swedish metal releases. Yeah, proper melodic death metal where they could do slower if they needed to, but it was, you know, fast as and when. But yeah, I mean, it's just got, just got hooks. What's, what's the deal with, with what, what's, okay, so Wages of Sin. Okay, I'll, I'll check that out for next week. And tell you why I don't like it. <laughs> um, what's the deal with Iced Earth? Oh, do I need to go listen to Iced Earth? <sighs> See, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to pick this up. Look, I, I've been an Iced Earth fan for for many, many years, and um, they've always been very um, deep. Are they polarizing? Instead of friendly, uh, and yeah, they are. They are quite polarizing in, in their approach. Um, you only have to listen to songs like um, "When the Eagle Cries" for to get a, a sort of a, a real opinion, and the thirty-two minute epic Gettysburg. But you know, um, John. What's Schaefer, the name of this? What's the name of this? Is it the singer or the guitar player from? He's Ice the guitar Earth? player who is effectively Iced Earth, him and a load of musicians. What's really, his name? John Schaefer. That's, that's it. Right. Yeah. Who uh, who who was involved in the uh, Capitol Hill riots? Allegedly. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no allegedly about it. <laughs> there's been no trial yet. Come on, you can just imagine it, can you? Like there's like a probably this like a um a compound somewhere in like northern Idaho or Montana, and there's like John Schaefer and Ted Nugent up there, just up there like writing riffs and polishing guns and like waiting for the revolution. It's they gonna would, be like they would be good friends. I can yeah, and, and and the revolution's gonna have like the best soundtrack. Ted Nugent. Just playing guitar and shooting people. Liberals, shoot them. You know, kind of thing. But I mean, I think in terms of like revolutions, you just get like the foreboding that it's going to have to take someone to like kind of vividly reenact the cover of Rage Against Machines' first album in order to get the government to start listening to people. Yeah, but the problem is no one will be able to afford the petrol to set themselves alight. No, no, they'll probably use something cheaper like Special Brew. <laughs> or um like 2020 or like really cheap vodka. Where was it? I read I read about it at some point recently and I can't remember. There's a book. You 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 probably know about it, the, the incident where it happened when a monk did that in protest. Well recently. No, 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 no. It was uh I don't know if it, I think it was during Vietnam where the cover was taken from. Where the monk set himself on fire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 63. 63, yeah, okay. Because it was, it wasn't actually 
a protest necessarily against the, the uh, I'm going to call it what it should be called, and that's the American War, because that's how they refer to it in Vietnam. Mm. Um, but it wasn't an actual protest against the Vietnam War or the American War in general. It was more of a case of the ZM government um, was um, Catholic, but it was in a Buddhist majority country and they were persecuting Buddhists. So it was a, it was a protest against the ZM government and which was backed by um, the CIA and the CIA actually eventually approved a coup where he was assassinated and that just made the whole conflict in Vietnam even worse because they were just then a bunch of like you know complete lackeys but yeah no, the, the 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 protest was against um religious persecution by Catholic minority government in the south uh so yeah it was 63 or 62 I can't remember the name of the monk I can look at that I want to look, look that one up no I, I it's just getting so expensive here now you know I mean like it's all very well talking about festivals but people going to be able to afford to go if it carries on like this probably not but um but let's 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 try and keep it positive yeah <laughs> otherwise so like, what could, i'll do which i Earth album should i listen to uh if you if, if, i still have to start with alive in athens because it's, it's it's three discs and it's just it's like a greatest hit it's an, and it's a really well recorded live mm. album it's got all their best stuff on it I mean, I never, I never really gave him a proper go, and I'm obviously fairly solid with that at this point in time. But I think that um, Glorious Burden album, that was like their reaction to 9-11, wasn't it? It was, that's, yeah. That's yeah, where that the, the ultra-American conservatism really came out. Before yeah. then, they were, you know, we were a power metal band. They didn't really talk. Their politics weren't that that obvious, and that's probably where the where they were better. I will say one thing, just, just to cap off the whole... Thing we were talking about with cost of living and everything, it, it it's obviously it's getting a bit crappy here. But um, in Italy, they're due an election in September, and the person that's polling the most at the moment is is the fascist party, the Brothers of Italy. So, I mean, and and they're they're not like a, a conservative party with a bit of tinge of fascism. They're an openly fascist party, and they actually there was a there was a, a rally the other day. And the leader, who's female, and I can't remember her name, was basically, it was like all the the classic like um, whistle whistle calls for like misogynists, racists, anti-immigration. Basically, in very like kind of indirect language, I'll oh, send them back where they came from, kind of thing. And I'm sick of it because, like you know, I live abroad. I'm a migrant worker. I'm not an expat. I hate that word. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a white privilege. Oh, I mean, I'm not an, I'm not an immigrant. I'm not a migrant. I'm a, I'm an expat. Somehow that makes you better than the Polish guy that lives in London and does plumbing. He's yeah. a he's a migrant, but I'm I'm an expat. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. bullshit. Yeah, but I'm like, you know, if you're gonna when you talk about immigrants like that, you're actually talking about me and my wife, and I don't appreciate it, and I don't care that you think that I do a job, maybe that's worth more worthwhile than some guy from Africa who cleans windows. We're all paying tax. You know, you've got an aging population. You know, so anyway, sorry. Just bear that in mind. It's getting worse in other places. It's getting it's getting worse everywhere. But that's that's I mean, that's that's tonight's rant out of the way. Anyway, so. it's, it's 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 like we're going to get to the point where it's going to be as bad as if in an alternate universe you lived in a country where at six o'clock every night they played. Chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water, all the way through over over an open tannoy system. 
should we get back? Should we get back? Should we get back on topic? <laughs> uh, what else I've been listening to? Uh, Halo Effect. Um, yeah, what did you think of that? It's all right. I mean, I, I I haven't probably given it as much attention as Arch Enemy at this point in time, but it's solid. It's solid enough. It's yeah. just it's like listening to it's, it's a very warm. Oh, it's old school in flames. It's not as good as old school in flames, but no, it's not. It's you know, it's comforting, isn't it? And I'll probably get more into it as I go along. It's quite it's quite melodic. It's got quite tinges of classic rock in it as well. I, I do quite like that. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not a um, it's not something that blows you away. But it's it's a good solid metal album. Yeah, uh, a band called Horned Wolf. Um, sort of American, basically hard rock, heavy metal, stonery with women goth vocals. It's it's weird. Worth a go. Not sure what to think at the moment. Good name. Yeah, yeah, really good. I think the cover art was, you know, did intrigue me. But it's uh, it it could well be. I think they got an interesting sound, but not really the songs at this point. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe worth a listen. Um, I'll give them a go. Interrupters, uh, not metal, but um, you know, decent ska punk and certainly popular within many of the community. Um, I like them. Sorry. I like them. I think they're great. Yeah, not quite so scar punk. A bit more expansive, a bit more pop, a bit more yeah um, old school. You know, dream. You know, like fifties pop almost at times. A bit more reggae, more scar. Yeah, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, and also, really pleasant uh, new find was a band called Funeral Chic. Um, couple metal? of albums in. Huh? Metal. Um, sludge. Yeah, sludge metal. Okay. Pretty much. I mean. Think Clutch if they'd have listened to a lot more Motorhead and Sabbath. Okay. And I was never into Clutch. They never grabbed me. But in terms of their vibe, the vocal style, it's definitely got that thing. But yeah, much more driving. Um, really nasty sounding at times. A bit evil. Um, what not. But really, really fucking heavy at times. Right. Really, uh, really I'm, liking it. I'm digging the sound of that. Uh, yeah, it's called Roman that. Candle, the latest album. So yeah, I'm digging that. I've just I, I, I was listening that. to um speaking about scar punk and stuff, I was listening to uh Mustard Plug as well this week. I've got to say I do like the song Thigh High Nylons. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> um definitely worth checking out. I I, I there's something quite, you know. Um, invigorating about Mustard Plug because it's, as, as my wife puts it, when you were a teenager listening to Matt, you must have been really miserable. Whereas she, she claims that because she listened to so much Scar as a teenager, she, she was quite upbeat and positive. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, I my my retort was that, you know, when you're dark and moody and negative, you, your, your hate makes you powerful. Um, <laughs> Fucking hell. But, you know, Beer Song as well by Mustard Plug's worth checking out. I've heard of them. I've heard the name. It's a lot of horns. It's quite upbeat. Um, very similar to um, uh, Real Big Fish. Okay. And Less Than Jake in that mould. Um, also, Plus, probably won't be up my street then. Yeah, I was into a bit of Pennywise as well today. Uh, today. Penny uh, Revolution. There's a couple of things I want to give a shout out to. Just a couple of new things I've been listening to this week, amongst others. Um, there's another new Parkway Drive song. It's just dropped. Which is a bit of a um, a bit of a ballad, I suppose. It's got a bit of a fade to black kind of feel to it. It's a similar sort of structure, 
Um, it's really good. And the, the three songs that have now dropped are so strong. I think it's um, it's potentially going to be one of the metal albums of the year, that. Um, very accessible, very catchy, huge sound. You know, stuff that will sound amazing live, especially with the way they perform. Um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the album. It's going to be good. It's very, it's, lyrically, it's quite dark. Um, I think they've had some some demons to deal with in the last couple of years. And it, it, I think it's kind of, the album's called Darker Still. So it kind of goes with the subject matter. Um, and Drop Today was the new Orbit Culture song. I don't know if you both listened to it, but I yeah. fucking love that. Yeah, that quality. That, that riff sort of three and a half minutes in is an absolute fucking monster. Loved it. And that, that's potentially another metal album of the year. I think it'll be, it'll be really, really strong. And uh, yeah, I've, I've given the new Arch Enemy a spin as well. I've only listened to it once um, and I liked it. Again, same as you. I've not really listened to much Arch Enemy for, in, in a fair few years. Um, I quite like the, the bit of clean vocals that are in there now, the bit of yeah, melody yeah, blended with the heaviness. It, it, it really it works, works quite actually. well. Yeah. Um, like really that. nice production on it as well, which, which I like. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it a few more listens in the car. And I think I mean, that, it's that, a second album, that second track, it's just like, kicks in just oh yeah definitely definitely one for bloodstock next year that's that's going to happen i think that'll be a, a perfect sort of sub headliner to kill switch or something like that be a um a really good shout so um anyway moving on because not only that today happy new machine head album day everybody <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm looking at frowning faces and <laughs> look i mean we can't underestimate how popular Machine Head are, and we all know they've done some decent stuff over the years. They've done some absolute turgid shite as well, but they obviously still have some clout. Now, the issue I've got, and I'll hold my hands up, I haven't listened to the album, I've only heard a couple of songs, but the issue I've got, and why I'm bringing this up, is the review on Blabbermouth. Now, I know reviews on Blabbermouth are quite often just there to blow smoke up bands' asses. I get that. But a 10 out of 10 review on Blabbermouth, that does not sit well with me. Really doesn't. A 10 out of 10. A per- that, that tells you it's that it's a, a perfect metal album. It's a website called Blabbermouth. What are you expecting? At least at some level of, of an impartial review. They're shills. They're shilling for Rob Flynn and anyone else. I I, I don't care how good Machine Head are. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Rolling Stone approach, and that is Rolling Stone always gave Led Zeppelin really shitty reviews. They just yeah. wouldn't acknowledge them. That's me with, with Machina. I don't, they, they could come in and write something on par with Beethoven's Ninth, and I'd be like, no, it's shit. It's like, I mean, I never, I, I refused, back in the day, I refused, absolutely refused to acknowledge that Rude Van Nistelrooy was a good striker. I, I, no, he's shit. He's a Dutch twat. You know? <laughs> And I'm going to take the I remember, same. I, I remember what you said, apparently, down the pub. I wasn't there, but... I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I seem to remember the exact words were... <laughs> yep. Well, I'm, I'm not going to quote myself. <laughs> you Dutch cunt, your mother was a red light whore. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky I didn't get lamped for that. Because <laughs> there, there were a few Man U fans in, in that pub. That's at yeah, Reading. You, you were at Reading. Was, yeah. yeah, you were safe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that's, so that's that's so that was red in '99, wasn't it? No, it was 2003 because Nikki was yeah. there. I was the late one. So okay, so yeah, 2003. It was, yeah. So it was it was me, you, and Nikki watching the football, 
and it was Manny versus Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Because yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd gone to watch Finch. That's right. Yeah, now it all starts <laughs> to come back. So that's that's 19 years ago this weekend. So yeah, so... No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Machine Head. I just, I just, I, I can't. You know those bands that you just, you just have trouble, have trouble, a problem getting into. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, 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 I've seen them live a few times, and I, I do remember them. A couple of songs because I wasn't actually watching them like down in on the, in the crowd, but I was like kind of at the back of the arena. I think it was, it must have been Donington one year, and I, I think another show at the Milton yeah. Keynes Bowl. Oh four. Because that was that was the first time I saw them. Never got around to them before. Hey? Yeah, it was it was it was two thousand and four. Yeah, and you know, I I do remember kind of like just looking up when I heard the the end riff from Davidian, and I was like, okay, that's cool, but I'm not I'm not going to go out of my way to um like put them on a on a playlist or or actively go and buy any of their albums. I I do remember actually listening to the burning red all the way through i think that was the thing is that one of the reasons i don't like fear factory is because i went out and bought obsolete and i instantly regretted it it was a shockingly bad album and it just i was just turned me off on that band and i don't know i don't care how good people say the manufacturer is i'm just i can't be asked with it I, I just can't be bothered and it's the same with machine head for me and i know machine head i don't know probably so they probably like like Drigenza said they've probably got more clout yeah, the, a band like Fear Factory because I'm sorry, I, re- I mean I, I'd listen to Machine Head over Fear Factory any day, um, but I just I just can't get into them, you know. No, and I I, I think the whole the whole um, you know nine, ten, eleven minute songs it doesn't suit their sound to, for songs to be that long. It feels a bit forced and a bit too much effort. But look, I'm I'm going to listen to the album. I will give it a proper listen but over the next week. This is this is the problem. And it's like. I'll come back and have if an you opinion. Take a, if you take take a song like Angel of Death, there's no way you could have that song for six, seven, eight minutes. It's too intense. Yeah. And if you're going to have an intense sound and an, an intense style and delivery, then you don't need long songs. And this is this is my problem. It's it, it just seems to be very uh, gratuitous. It, it, it's like you've let your kind of artistic ego run riot and you don't need to, I mean we've talked about this before but really a concept album no what is it that you're adding to the kind of tapestry of the metal scene nothing it, it's, it's just it's it's, a lazy it's concept self, as well it's indulgent it's self-indulgent all concept albums are self-indulgent I think we've said that before but it's a lazy concept as well dystopian it's yeah it's but as it come before Concept albums or them, I, I think thematic albums, yeah. I thematic know. albums do have can have something to say, yeah. But unfortunately, it seems that most concept albums will, will usually come either mid midway through or towards the end of a band's kind of trajectory of because all bands become like you know look at Priest. I mean, they did album after album after album, and then they came out with Nostradamus, and oh dear God, it was awful. But by then they've got that, the, they've got the the kind of slack with the the com- record companies or the clout where they can just go away and record an album about a spurious medieval fortune teller, you know. Yeah, and it's just yeah. you know, it's just the same case with Machine Head. Always, like, you can imagine mm-hmm. that the executives at the at the, at the record company are oh, just for fuck's sake, just let him do it, just shut him up. <laughs> you know, I just, just let him get out of the system. 
you know? He's been going on about this fucking concept album for years. Let him do it. We'll just we'll just take the hit. It's not going to make any money, but hopefully the next album he does will sell money. Is it um, Is it Rob Flynn's Jazz Odyssey? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> move right. to Paris. Move to Paris. Drink too much absinthe. Move to the south of France. Cut your fucking ear off. You know, sleep with the sleep with the mime artist. You know, whatever. One thing I will say about Rob Flynn, just before quickly before we move on, going back to Bloodstock. Um, obviously, because they're not, they weren't playing anywhere else, and, and you know they were just sort of loitering around. He, I think, he spent the rest of the weekend at Bloodstock. He was everywhere, and he was he was having photos taken with fans. He was watching bands from the side of the stage. He was he, he was doing all sorts, and clearly, clearly loving it. So, you know, fair play to him for that. He was he he fully embraced the whole event. So I, I give him credit. I, 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 that that sounds cool, and you know. All due respect to him because I like I said, I remember in 2004 the last song they played at, at Download was Davidian, and he, he was talking to the crowd at the end of it, and he was saying, I think it was something like 20 years to this day, or 20 23 years to this day. I remember being at the day at the green in San Francisco, and this band kept called Metallica came on and blew me away and all this kind of stuff. So he was like being really respectful and he was like you know you guys are going to see something special later and you know th- these these guys are, are amazing and you know he, he seems like a really nice guy yeah um, I think he is I think yeah he is. so not I mean it's I mean I'm only joking really I mean right. I just I just I just struggle to get into them and that and that's that's my stuff that's nothing to do with the band if you like them you like them yeah you know they're an established act there's not much you can do about it he liked one of your Instagram posts as well didn't he recently he did he did yeah so, um, and weirdly, it was the picture of uh, Jesus and the girl wearing the T-shirt that said, fuck Jesus. So, so uh, yeah. Um, really, what it should say is fuck Padre. No. Yeah, no, no. Like, that would be, you know. No, that's that's a potential line of In the Abyss merch, but that's that'll be, um, that's, that's <laughs> one for further down the line. Um, Motley Crue are uh, obviously currently out in the States with Def Leppard and Poison and Joan Jett. Um, and they've, they're now talking about Europe next year, so I can imagine that would be Motley Crue at download, I would have thought. Well, so I mean, this pretty what, much wasn't nailed on. doing this particular tour with Def Leppard, Poison and Joan Jett in Europe? Or is that well, this is it, and I, I can imagine that being at the top of a, of a day at download, when it'd yeah. be Def Leppard headlining, Motley Crue sub-headline. Because when, no, when I saw them, um, that was download 07, and they headlined the second stage. On the Saturday, oh, they were fucking brilliant. So so glad I said, you know managed to see them that even that once because they were just on fire. I mean, they did everything right. Everyone was up for it. Lots of women showing their, you know, top bollocks everywhere. <gasps> um, yeah, just I've never seen them. Old school crew I mean, gig. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've never seen them. I won't be going to download. So if they are playing, yeah. no, I won't be seeing them there either. But they'll they'll give they'll give the people what they want. Yeah. So. I think that's well. I don't know. I don't think Snil doesn't sound too good these days. That was probably no, but then probably on his last legs. Then so many of them don't, and I, I don't think people care. <laughs> you know, I really don't. As long as they get the songs they want to hear, I don't think people give a shit if the vocals are are, are absolute shite. It's it's just it's just the way it is. How many how many vocalists can we think of from that era that can still deliver it with the quality, apart from maybe Rob Halford? Um, King Diamond, I've now seen that in the flesh, 100% can. 
And obviously, Bruce, I can't think of anybody else. Joe Elliott doesn't sound great. No, no. Mind you, though, there's a case to be made for the there are like natural changes in terms of um, like, for example, could you honestly say 20 or 30 years ago that in in this if we got to this time, a, a, a front man like Dave Mustaine would be able to sing the way he did when he was 26? Yeah, no chance. Because because he, his from what everything that I've read, mm. his singing style is what any vocal coach would be like, if you're, you are going to screw your voice if you sing like yes. this. And I think, wasn't it like, it got to like almost the tail end of the 80s and that's when Hetfield started being like, oh, I, I should get a vocal coach and I should start yeah. doing warm-ups and stuff because it, it's like, obviously, they when you're younger, you sound different, but you're going to shoot ruin your voice. I mean, Chris Cornell, for example, he had to have voice... Um, surgery on his um, um, esophagus to take off the the nodes on the vocal cords. Yeah. Um, so yeah. There's, there, there is a a, a genuine um, burnout potential. Yeah, there is, but obviously some of them have actually looked after themselves. I mean, fucking Bruce Dickinson's been through throat cancer and he still sounds, you know. And he, obviously they like the likes of him, the likes of Rob Halford. They have adjusted their their vocal style slightly to suit, but they can still they've still got. The quality and they can still hit those notes. So, what about the um the the lead, the, the singer from uh, Kitty? Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Are you in one of those moods that you just um <laughs> a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to talk quickly about uh, the um the the t-shirt to support Paul Diano's um, treatment to uh, get back to better health. It's a, uh, an old Derek Riggs design that never saw the light of day. It was, um, it was one that would have been on the uh, Killers artwork. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, um, but if you, if you do a Google online, you can buy it. It's, it's not cheap. I think it's coming from Croatia. Um, and it's about 40 quid, including shipping. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a worthy cause and it is a pretty cool T-shirt. And everybody who buys the T-shirt will have their name on the back of the shirt as well. So it's, it is actually quite a nice touch. So, you know, go check that out. I think it's um, madeincroatia.com and you can find it via that. But it's, it's a cool T-shirt. And he got engaged today as well, bless him. Really? Yeah. That I didn't see. Yeah. Fair play. Congratulations, Paul Diano. Yeah. Keep your firearms away. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Has anybody heard this 10-second clip of... Nickelback's new music. No, because I never liked them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and understandably so. Um, <laughs> you, apparently, love, say, you loved them. <laughs> did you just use the N-word? I did use the N-word, and I, I can apologise right. for that. When but, you're uh, married, when your wife is Canadian, listening to Nickelback has much more at, at stake than just listening to a band. Look, the reason I bring them up is because this 10-second clip that's dropped apparently um, sounds like Nickelback have gone metalcore. So um, I'll leave it with you both to go and check out. And anybody who's listening who hasn't heard it yet... No, 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 play it now. I can't, I can't play it now. can't play it now. because Why? Because I'll have Chad Kroger knocking the door down. <laughs> Just Is it on YouTube? It's probably there somewhere. Right, what's the song called? I don't know. It's it's just a clip. I think don't think it was even on YouTube. It was posted on Twitter and, and places like that. So um, I'm a bit I'm a bit conflicted because I think a few few years ago, um, went to see Crystal Palace play one match and um, we got some cheerleaders 
there and they um they played they danced to a heavy track one one half time uh for once and i was like oh no that's that's all right makes a change and actually i had to message one of them after to say who was that because i didn't recognize it it was nickelback so i'm conflicted now and all the all the headlines that are going around is nickelback are teasing a seriously heavy new song and the internet is loving it but just chad kroger is such a fucking knob That's enough. That's enough. See, but- this is this is what gets on my nerves about this kind of stuff when bands do stuff like this. It's because it's not it's not the fact that it's shit, and it is. Um what it does is it gives it gives their you know peon fans um some kind of like license to go around going, Oh yeah, play that, play that nickelback song that's really heavy and like they will do moshing and it, oh it's so heavy. And like it's like when song two by Blur came out. And everyone was like, oh, it's really heavy. No, it really isn't. It's good, but it's not heavy. <laughs> Shut up. You know, I'm just off. Oh, well, let's, let's see what the rest of the song sounds like for a start, because at the end of it, it just sounds like it, it sort of seeks into normal, turgid, nickelback nonsense. So I think it's just a, it's just a tease. But, um, but that's, that's, that's the last time I'm bringing nickelback up on this fucking podcast, because I feel dirty, I need to have a shower, and it's... it's Ugh, it's disgusting. I almost feel like I need some kind of drug to get that out of my system. So I can only, I apologize to our, our loyal listeners. Please don't leave us. Um, one last thing. Um, Pantera's first dates have been announced doing uh, some not fest shows in South America in December. It's very weird seeing Pantera on a festival bill lineup with Bring Me the Horizon and Vended and. <laughs> You know, and Judas Priest, which is quite cool, but yeah, I still don't. I'm still so torn on it. As I said, I think if you know, if they end up being at a festival I'm at, I'll go and watch them because otherwise, well, I think the money they're probably going to charge for their own show is just. I don't think I. I don't think they'll do their own shows on the first run. It will be festivals. Um, I I can only assume that they'll do European festivals next year. They have to. I think unless they end up on a massive US package tour. But, but yeah, first dates are announced. Um, and, it, and it is strange to see their, their name on a lineup alongside a lot of modern bands. But And it is just Pantera as well. There's no, like, Pantera a tribute to or Pantera an evening with or, or anything like that. It's just Pantera. And it's just it's just weird. But there's one, of the, one event they're co-headlining with Scorpions. So it's a bit out there. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's about it for that. So what are we talking about this week? Um, Synthwave, which I know isn't metal, um, but we'll, we'll come back to that, that part of it. But there is definitely a, uh, a relationship with metal and, and I've, I've developed a love for it in the last couple of years and, and Anthony is, is the sort of voice of authority on it. So I'm going to hand over to you to kick things off as to why we're talking about Synthwave on a metal podcast for a start, because a lot of people will go, mm, fucking what's that shit? Fucking it's dance music, isn't it? So let's, let's, let's try and sell the, um, sell the Synthwave dream. Cause I fucking love it. You know, I think it's great. It might be down to my age and, and the whole age is nostalgia, but we'll come back to that as well. So sell us the dream. Tell yeah. us exactly why uh, we're talking before about you start. It. I mean, I hope you, this time you've, Looked in a dictionary. 
No, because I'll be watching you. Okay, go. Oh, he put, puts a dick into dictionary, doesn't he? He certainly does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I was kind of curious um, in the last few years why it was getting coverage in the metal press, rock press, synthwave, um, when for me it was a separate thing. Even when, you know, there were elements to it that, you know, seemed to cross over it seemed to you know it seemed to be a, a de- different thing but um yeah the more the more i looked into it the more i got, got into it and checked out various artists um i can see why there's the, the links there yeah so i thought it's worth talking about and it, it was clear to me there is a fan base amongst metal fans for it um so even if not all of our listeners are into it some of our listeners may very well be um so yeah, so I think it's certainly worth going to. Um, yeah. So what what is synthwave? Um, is it dance music? I I don't think it is dance music personally. Uh, I would I would probably agree with that. I think it's got more more in common with movie scores than it has. Yeah. Dance music, but yeah. Well. Yeah. The the I mean, how to describe it? It's it's a cinematic. It's primarily a cinematic music, um, an instrumental music style um the roots are in 80s uh movies primarily horror sci-fi action um and it utilizes the music um composed by people like john carpenter vangelis tangerine dream brad Fidel, um harold faltermeyer all of all those kind of people very 80s sounding synthesizers you'll you'll be familiar with them if you if you watch certain movies um it takes that but sort of blends it with with uh you know elements of 80s pop to give it a bit of a drive to it and some some dance music um because while a lot of those movie scores are you know soundscape cinematic expansive in in their way um synthwave tends to have a bit of a drive to it um a lot of the time although other times it does have that um soundscape aspect to it um and a key part of the overall package um on the album sleeves or you know the digital sleeves whatever is that uh distinctive 80s imagery graphics comprised of argon and neon colors cityscapes fast sports cars well they're all fast to be fair um sunglasses sunsets hot women that kind of thing um you know you look at you look at a a synthwave cover art and it's yeah that's very 80s it's got that 80s style it scream it screams 80s lots of advertising kind of things you might have seen in athena posters back in the day um it's it's 80s without actually being specifically 80s if that makes any sense um you know synthwave artists don't sound like duran duran or depeche mode um and they don't even sound specifically like the artists i've just mentioned that's more of a grounding um and it's kind of and it developed it developed mostly in the noughties and the tens very gradually uh, um, for various things like um, 
video games like Vice City, Grand Theft Auto Vice Grand City. Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a key because that glamorized the 80s big time um, in a way that pop culture hadn't done for many, many years. Because um, the 90s, you know, the 90s, 80s stuff was complete anathema. Um, it moved away. And the, you know, that, that video game did, uh, did the 80s decade a big, a big popular service culturally. Um, but also in the noughties, you had um, French house music. Now, again, now, yeah, not, not metal at all. That is dance music. Not something you, you, you're going to see ever covered in Kerrang or whatever. Um, the French house is an interesting one because it, um, it, it comes, it, you know, it stems from house music, but it kind of brought 80 sounds back into the fold because if you, um, if you know about house music, it, it originated in America in the early eighties, it was more or less a replacement for disco. Um, and it borrowed the European synthesizer sounds that have been popularized by Kraftwerk and Human League and you know Tangerine Dream in the 70s. Um, but that's that's how house music developed while other artists pushed it down hit down the hip-hop route. Hip hip hop would be nothing without European synthesizer music. Um, but yeah house music down went down one avenue and of course it was back and forth with Europe for you know 20 years. And yeah, by, by the late 90s, you had artists like Daft Punk and Air um, doing the house music thing with a sort of, you know, Euro synth slant. That continued into the noughties, you had artists like Justice. Um, and later on, you had these, uh, these artists uh, known as the Valerie Collective, who were making this sort of retrospective synthesizer pop that was a bit disco a bit funk um in the background not synthwave as we know it it was very pop song in structure but again very very strong synthesizer based and still very house music uh, influenced so again it was starting to come together through the noughties um and of course you had uh increasingly um better PC software for music making, better broadband access as we went along. And what you had over time is you had this development of people of a certain age, our age and above, making 80s star music um, because they were able to. Um, they were coming to that age where, you know, they could, they could access certain things on the internet much better, communicate with others, DVDs as well. They were able to watch those films that might not have been um, um, easily accessible on digitals at that point. Um, and it was all starting to form quite well. By the, by, the, by the late noughties, you had this community of people just starting to make this sort of 80s style music that was, again, quite fresh and distinctive and retrospective without being uh, inspired by specific bands, so to speak. Um, so that's kind of, that's the early sort of uh, origin of it. It's, it's obviously a fairly recent thing, the, the relationship with, with metal, because, you know, everything yeah. you've talked about is very much based in, like you say, house music, elements of dance music, um, you know, and obviously it's, 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 it's definitely, there's so many of these artists that have come out of France even now, not just going back then, your, your Carpenter Brutes and Perturbator and, and the likes of those. 
but where it is now it's um it's starting to it's starting to to gather a real pace in there which is why we're talking about it really because you started to see acts like Perturbata and Carpenter Brute in particular on metal festival lineups um and so it's it's not only is it gathering pace within its own scene, it's now becoming a real crossover product. And I'll, I'll drop Stranger Things into the mix as well, because that's obviously, you know, all, all, it's all these things coming together and that, that 80s kind of sound and that, that sort of, um, that nostalgic feel, certainly for those of us of, of our, our kind of generation, our age that grew up in that era, it is nostalgic, but it's more than just nostalgia, isn't it? It's, there's something very, there's something very forward thinking about it as well. It isn't just the nostalgic thing. No, it's, it's, um, I think, because my, my, my interest is why, why, why do metalheads like it? Okay, it might, it might just be an, an alternative music they, um, they just, they've latched onto because again, it's very familiar to a certain generation or it just sounds cool or, or, or whatever. Um, I think, I think there are, there are, def- there are definite elements with synthwave. Um, that share commonality from a cultural basis with metal, you know, uh, that, that, that happened once, once that community formed. It's, it's a bit of the, um, it's where I think for me, where it holds similarities with the metal community is that disenchantment with the status quo, isn't it? It's something a bit different. And it's it, like you said, it's the alternative from the norm. There, there is that. similar kind of feel. There is definitely that, but I think it's there are thematic, thematically uh, and um, with, with the imagery, there are definitely similarities. Even though it's imagery, not the same. definitely, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's different, but it's there's there's common ground. I want to talk about a particular artist uh, again, and, and this is you know you I think you've got to look at this guy as almost like the Black Sabbath of synthwave, an artist called Kavinsky. Um, and again, he was one of those French artists doing the sort of house production thing in the noughties and whatnot. But he was really pushing down this sort of 80s beat driven cinematic sort of sound. And he kind of created this character that was like a, a ghost, a teenager who'd been killed in a car accident and drove a Testarossa as a ghost um, through, Very this 80s. Sort of, through this sort of almost like fantasy 80s uh, cityscape. And I'm going to come, come back to the sort of fantasy element to it later but yeah this uh this character called um the, the ghost driver i think I, I might be wrong but yeah the ghost driver for one of a better argument and he released a few singles in the late noughties um with this character the uh ep artwork yeah he wore this varsity jackets sunglasses very 80s very cool but yeah it was this you know this character and you can sort of almost sort of align that with people you know Kiss, um, King Diamond, this sort of cinematic character that, that was used in their in their music. Um, even though, yeah, there's no vocals, but it was just part of the overall package. Um, and this this enhanced, um, enhanced what we're doing. It gave it a sort of a really distinctive visual that people could latch onto. And he he made enough of a name for himself that fast forward to 2011. He was featured on a film called Drive. Now, have either of you seen, seen Drive? Yeah, yeah. And the, the theme tune at the end of it is what we're going to talk about, isn't it? Um, I think it's at the end, but certainly when the <coughs> credits kick in. Yeah. Um, 
that song kicks in. Yeah, it was, it was a track called Night Call, which uh, he teamed up with. 2010, yeah, by Kavinsky, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, 2010. I think, the, but, but yeah, the, the movie came out in 2011. Uh, loads of people in it who, who hadn't quite become super famous at that point, but, yeah, there, there's so many people in it. But, yeah, Ryan Gosling, oh, uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac, uh, Ron Perlman, Brian Cranston, load, loads of people, and, uh, oh, I think as well, you, maybe it's worth suggesting that some of the influences on synthwave comes from uh, uh, the kind of music that you would have heard in the late 80s or the mid 90s before Windows 95 came out from the PC games because the aesthetic of a lot of the PC games would have influenced the um, the the album art and the the kind of the use of the, the use of very thick vivid colors yeah in the the, the, the synth wave art that you see now and I, I mean i was thinking as as well i mean I, th- I don't think you can discount the influence of uh japan on on this no for, certainly from an aesthetic because it's like when i look see for me when i look at a synth wave album cover i agree with you about the the, the kind of there's a there are very strong like kind of echoes of those 1980s horror films like John Carpenter and things like that that you mentioned previously and yeah isn't it? I think one of the the main films is the uh, Escape from New York with Kurt Russell is probably that the soundtrack to that film is probably one of the the biggest yeah. influences on synth and synthwave but like when I when I look at those synthwave album covers I'm just kind of like drawn back to when I lived in Asia and I'm like, you know, you're standing in Seoul or Busan or somewhere in Japan and it's just surrounded by masses of luminous billboards and everything is like neon and, and it just, that's, that's what it does for me when I, and, and even the music makes me think of being back there for some reason. I, I, I can't necessarily put my finger on it. I was thinking about this and I, if you think about it, when you look at a film like Blade Runner, and you look at the the aesthetic in that. So that that was made at the beginning of the 1980s. And like Vangelis, you mentioned previously, did the soundtrack for Blade Runner. So this is people in the 1980s who are making films based, and like John Carpenter Escape from New York is the same thing as well. In the 1980s, who are like looking forward 30 or 40 years and going like, this is what the future is going to look like. Well, actually what we are was now in that future that they perceived in the early 80s and it may not might not be the same but i think that's when Trigenza says that it feels 80s and it sounds 80s but you can't necessarily put your finger on it it just feels familiar i think that's where it comes from yeah i mean if even if you look like for i can't remember the name of the album but do you remember that cartoon mask yes look at the intro to that cartoon it's so synthwave with like the blue uh the blue the blue lines and like it, it looks like a cross between something out of a computer game something out of like you know a, like a, a faux computer led readout and then you've got them you've got the music to it i mean look at all those 80s cartoons mm. jason the world warriors oh God, transformers yeah. it all it, it, there are echoes there it's like nodes of synthwave no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the video game's an interesting ang- angle because, I mean, I'm not a gamer. Um, 
I know you guys aren't really, are you either? So no, no, um, I am, I am. Okay, yeah, all right, okay, I'll I'll come back to that. But yeah, I mean, I've I've got a couple of consoles, but I'm certainly not one of these people who have really really played a lot, and that's just because I've got other interests. I think if I didn't have those interests, I'd be I would be a game. It's just time. There's there's a lot of things that interest me that I just kind of almost dismissed. But the video game aspect is definitely relevant because around the same time of drive, you had a, 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 a video game come out called Hotline Miami, which was in some ways a video game version of Drive, which was, um, you know, this sort of assassin who was shooting up people inside a, inside a house. It was over overhead visuals, but very 80s graphics, and it used... Basically, it had a soundtrack of all these sort of synthwave artists that were dotted about on the net. Okay, so this was about the same sort of time, and that's when you had a big sort of um, leap forward creatively. And this is where the metal stuff starts to actually happen, um, because that's effectively when dark synth was born. So we talk about synthwave a lot. But the link between synthwave and metal, and certainly the, the fan base and the, the attraction and why it's featured in the rock press these days, is because of, of dark synth. There, there is a difference, I, certainly, from what I can tell, with these dark synth artists and the synthwave artists. The synthwave artists have really kept up this sort of very almost straightforward um, musical style, which is which is 80s. It, it could be dark, it could be light, but it's it's quite accessible um it's not very heavy um and it's very very background friendly you know the common theme with a lot of those um 80 scores is you can put them on in the background when you're reading when you're working and you can almost ignore them and this is the this is a great thing with a lot of mu music from films whether it's played by old school orchestra is is great background music and a lot of synthwave is as well and you don't really get that with dark synth to the, to, in the same way. Um, dark synth is, I think, what happens when metalheads discovered synthwave around that time and started pushing it in their direction. Started using heavier beats, uh, more intensive sounds. Might have started using a bit of guitars here and there, but certainly started making synth sounds on those on that technology that was a bit more guitar-ish in 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 what um, in how they did it. And the imagery, the graphic imagery, got darker, a bit more apocalyptic, a bit more hellish, a um, bit more weird. And that's gradually increased over the last sort of well decade. Um, and this is where your artists like Perturbator and Carpenterbrook and Ghost come in, for example. Um, Perturbator were featured on the Hotline Miami um, soundtrack and James Ken, the guy, guy behind that project he's a black metal fan he played in a black metal band beforehand and he just started making electric mu electronic music um, himself brought that sort of element uh, of black metal into it very very slightly um, the atmosphere um, the darkness and he's gradually sort of increased that and played with that over, over the years. And this is kind of what's what's happened is you've, you've had this evolution where Synthwave is somewhat, I don't want to say it's stalled, but it's kind of settled into what it's good at. It, it's, it's not 
a particularly progressive form of music because the whole point of synthwave to begin with is it was retrospective. It was looking back. Um, it, it wasn't meant to be progressive. It was meant to be a celebration of an era, an idealized version of that era, because we know the 80s for most people were shit. They weren't a good time politically or whatnot. Yeah, even, you know, yeah, okay, even if you had somewhere to live and go to school and whatnot, a lot of the time life was dull. You know, you watch pop music or watch these films because they were colourful, because they were escape, but generally life was average, possibly quite grey, and that continued probably went into the 90s. A lot of the 80s aesthetics that we're familiar with from these movies and advertising and TV shows that you see on Synthwave, they're almost a utopian um, form uh, of the 80s. And I think this is what appeals to people. People get nostalgic for something that didn't really exist in that era. Um, it's, it's a fantasy, so to speak. Um, and this is kind of why the dark synth separation aside, this is, I think, why Synthwave still in itself appeals to people, because you've got that fantasy element uh, of what's going on. It, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's a pure escape. It's an escape into a world that didn't really exist, but still you think, yeah, that's 80s. And that's kind of metal to a lot of people. Um, you know, the imagery and the, the world that metal conjures up across so many of those bands, um, it took it to a sort of next, a next level that was fantastical and didn't really reflect life. And as much as we can say, yes, there were fears of nuclear war, and that was reflected in Thrash, there was a nuclear war, for example. Um, and that's where I think the common yeah, but you could sorry you could say, you, yeah you, you could say that though in re respect of like I mean look at um, Blue Monday by New Order I mean I don't think the apocalyptic thing was 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 the sole purview of 1980s heavy metal no no right, so let's um let's let's take it because obviously you you mentioned John Carpenter which is you know the John Carpenter films are obviously a massive influence on synthwave as a whole um, and. I was sort of re-familiarizing myself with with a lot of a lot of his musical work today because <clears throat> there's so many theme tunes that you go back to and you just think oh, I can't even remember what that sounds like and then you listen to it and you think shit yeah of course it is that's the thing or you know um, Precinct Thirteen all that kind of stuff but the what the one that and it's actually something I actually remember from seeing the film when I was like fucking about fifteen I remember having a poster of it on my bedroom wall um, was in the mouth of madness. The theme tune to that is 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 John Carpenter with added guitar. Yeah, and it has that kind of more like you're talking about the uh, the dark synth stuff that's around now that has got that little bit of a guitar element to it. That theme tune over all of them has seems to have more of an influence on this stuff we're hearing now. It's not like the John Carpenter themes from the early '80s and late '70s. It's it's completely different. And just you know, as a side comment, that film was fucked up. And, and, and you know what? Frustratingly enough, that's probably one of the only John Carpenter films I've still not seen. It's, it's Annoy, annoyingly enough. I've seen most of all of the others, but not that one. So I need to get on that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's worth it's worth watching. It's um it's 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 definitely out there. Um, yeah, you know, based around a, a book that seems to affect people's lives, and it, it does. It just descends into absolute terror and madness. It's, it's it's a sort of unofficial trilogy for him. I think the thing was number one, and then Prince of Darkness. Yeah, uh, the second. And, and yeah and, and that one but what was great about John Carpenter um, is you know he hasn't 
he hasn't really made any, barely any, anything for the last 20 years, movie-wise. He, he made a movie about 10 years ago, but, and again, I've not seen that, but I think it didn't really register it. Very, very cult. He did it just for a laugh kind of thing, but he's largely spent the last 20 years just basically chilling out and what you know, playing video games and smoking weed. Because he can. He's got he's, money. He's producing music as well. He produces yeah. music with but his son and, and he's his godson. He's making music. Yeah. Yeah, he... Um, <laughs> Uh, oh god, well, I can't remember what it's called, but he's you know actual original uh, music. He, oh, uh, lost, lost, lost Souls, themes. Lost, lost themes, themes. That's it. Yeah, um, and this and a lot of this is stuff that, that he'd created and made during his movie making career, where he was trying to write music, and he's taken some of the good stuff that could be used and actually made proper tracks out of it. Yeah, and again, not vocals for the most part. I think one remix had a vocal that I've heard, but yeah, it's instrumental. And you could certainly say it's synthwave in, in a way because, because of what it is. It's very cinematic, some good beats to it. You've got that guitar as well. Um, what he also did is he re-recorded those classic themes from the movies for a, for a, you know, a best of album, a yeah. best of. Um, much beefier, heavy, you know, at times metal, not, not you know, searing hot, white hot guitar solos by any means but you know certainly metal enough to see that link and and how that style of music works well uh with metal guitars so absolutely worth checking out if you haven't um listened to it yet so if we take if we take the john carpenter stuff and i'll throw a little curveball into the mix as well what influence do you as more of a synthwave fan do you think that the um, the industrial scene of the 90s in particular, and we'll put Nine Inch Nails at the top of that, and yeah. your, your KM and FDMs and, and that kind of stuff, that whole scene from from the, the mid-90s, surely that's got an influence on certainly the, the dark wave stuff? Um, well, well, interestingly enough, I mean, dark, dark wave is an interesting one because I, I never really understood what that was. Dark wave is almost, I thought, was goth music, uh, house music for goths. Um, it's it, it it comes uh you know it originated from sisters of mercy and clan of zimox it was very beat based drum machine but cold and dark and, and and whatnot and and went down its own thing and you know it was featured in terrorizer magazine so it's that's been a part of a community metal wise for for quite some time industrial is an interesting one because yeah you listen to a lot of this dark synth stuff now and you wonder what is the difference between that and industrial because it, you know, because they, there is a difference. Um, it's a lot more accessible. I, I, I what, what, what compared to industrial? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just how it developed, really. I think because dark synth, um, because the dark synth influence is is more recent to to the synthwave stuff, and the synthwave is a very accessible, uh, retrospective, celebratory form of music. Um, I think I have a different approach compared to industrial, which, you know, developed organically from the 80s with people just trying to be harsh and harsh with the, you know, the the synthesizers that they had at the time. It, the, the compute technology was different. Yeah. To what it is now. Have you have you have you considered the um, the effect of I, I think if you go back to 2002 in terms of things that might have laid the groundwork for uh, the kind of popularity of synthwave and um dark synthwave was 
going back to computer games, 2002, um, Grand Theft Theft Auto, Vice City, where you had a reimagined 1980s city. It was very much reminiscent of um, Scarface. Because, I mean, if you look at the soundtrack to Scarface by Brian Brian De Palma, who's written by Oliver Stone, the, 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 the soundtrack to that film is very has very strong um kind of nodes of uh synth wave. Yeah, George Overroder. Yeah, I was just looking at the uh um an article about this. Also, um one thing I found interesting in this article was the fact that um it's saying that basically much of the appeal of synthwave comes from the fact that it's electronic music that is definitely re- defiantly removed from club culture. Mm. I mean, I think that's an interesting point because I think that's an interesting angle. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, I mean, when we were younger or, and when I was at university as well, you kind of get roped into the club culture stuff to some extent because um, where can you go to listen to metal in a club atmosphere? Um, so, you know, I mean, I definitely had a lot of mates who were, you know, into hard house and funky house and, trance and techno and stuff like that and and everything that went with it so you know the drugs and the lifestyle so i kind of you know ended up going to a lot of clubs and stuff but there was you know one of the things i one of the reasons why i never got into that i've always for me club culture was the antithesis of metal culture so i was never going to like you know it's not that i dislike the music i was never going to go get into it full tilt you know so i think maybe for a lot of metal fans who like synthwave and dark synthwave it's not too um kind of strictly uh linked to club culture or a different subculture we've been going back to what we said in previous podcasts about subculture there can be cross-pollination but there can also be a lot of tribalism so yeah i was i was actually gonna i was actually gonna ask you about that i was i was watching the documentary earlier on called this is synthwave um which is narrated by john carpenter funnily enough and um, there was there was a it was a small section of that which was talking about the uh, and and this again another similarity to to, to the metal subculture. Um, there is an element of of gatekeeping and elitism within synthwave because oh, yeah. because it is the type of music that people can now make on a laptop in their bedrooms. More and more people are going to start doing it. So those that are at the core of synthwave and have been doing it for the last 10, 15, even up to twenty years, now the gatekeeping starts to kick in because other people want to do the same thing and they think they can because it's because it's electronic music and it, yeah i mean but there's there's so much out there and i don't you know without sounding sounding rude so much of it it really does sound the same yes i agree really, especially especially in the sort of you know, the non uh non-dark sort of uh, field you know the straight up synthwave it, it it all sounds the same i mean there's you know the artists i tend to listen to tend to ones to just stick out a bit more um but what's interesting is that I can listen to all the rest of it in the background because, like I said, it's good background music. Yeah, um, I can almost ignore it. It it doesn't sound bad. It's 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 almost like there's there's, there's no such thing as a shit synthwave artist because as long as you do certain things right, it's it's solid. It's acceptable. Yeah. It's listenable, um, and you can drive to it. You know, definitely you can definitely drive to it. Um, the, I want I, that's that's something I want to bring up and and. My my thing from from a metalhead's point of view is like you say things you can drive to. Some of it is great driving music, and and the stuff that catches me the most is that the stuff that does have more of a driving beat to it. So when you are driving, when you're doing eighty mile an hour down the motorway, 
it um it, you know it gets you in the mood but then like you said there's the other the other end of it that is background music and i'm the same i can sit and i can listen to that in the background while i'm watching test cricket or something yeah you know that and that's that, that's that, that to either end of the spectrum it, that that's what works for me this is this is a bit i do want to sort of cover um and i think it's a big big aspect of why it's just you know, much of it has gained uh, gained an interest in the metal community. Um, and it comes back to that sort of stuff you said, Padre, about club culture. And there's a separation there. When, when you go to clubs, what, what's, what's the big, big appeal of the music you're listening to? It's a, um, it's a massive beat. It's the it? beat. You yeah, know. this is the thing. This is the beat. Now, despite what you said, I think um, Synthwave isn't quite the same for, for various, for a specific reason. House music, a lot of dance music, EBM, EDM, whatever you want to call it, is beat based. Yes, there's going to be sound and melody and whatnot, but it's about that beat. It's about that drop um, and whatnot. And, you know, the light show as well that, that comes with it. And if I think about a lot of R&B and hip hop, um, a big appeal of that is, is the beat or rather the groove. OK, the beat and the groove. Um, rhythm and I think there's there's similarities in those ways and let's think of metal I, I could talk about a lot of rock music as well but one of the big appeals of metal is actually the riff the melody yeah. the hook yeah the beat is an aspect is part of it you know blast beats double double bass drums whatever you know it's beat downs um, it's yeah beat downs but it's that hook a memorable big riff that we like. That's the appeal. That's what you've got in Synthwave. A lot of it is based around a memorable keyboard line, synth synthesizer line, um, that 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 you can, you know, whistle to. You you can sort of hum in your head, and then the beat comes next. You want to drive that a lot. That's structurally, I think you know the music takes that approach in a similar way to metal does and as much as dark synth really does sort of um grab hold of that sort of uh, aspect a lot more with how they write the music synthway fundamentally i think is very melody and hook based do you think um, it's um do you think it's almost subconscious it's almost in your subconscious that as a, as a metal fan it, like you say you'll hear a, a song and you could be listening to it and get two or three minutes in and then bang a riff kicks in yeah and that's that's what you remember and because You've got that similar kind of thing with synthwave, with certainly with the, the dark synthwave and the artists we're talking about. Um, you get that same, like you said, you, you get that same hook. So it yeah. is almost, it's almost like it's pre-programmed in a metalhead's brain. That's it. To look for that hook. And, and if you think, if you think of, we go back to your, your, your 80s um, composers, you think of John Carpenter. It's not just, it's not just the sound and how we, how we, how well he did that. It's hooks. Yeah, Assault on Precinct 13 is a hook. Halloween, it's not so much a hook, but it's, it's a very distinctive melody. Yeah. Um, Escape from New York, yeah. The Thing is the other one. The Thing, oh, The Thing's a bit of a different one, actually. That's very, yeah, there's, there's not an obvious hook, and I think he, he teamed up with someone, but, um, yeah, that's very that's very cold in the way. I'm trying, trying to think. Halloween. Yeah, ha yeah, Halloween. Um, Og. Yeah, I think Prince of Darkness as well had a quite a distinctive hook at times. But you, you, again, you can you can find that from his albums. But yeah, the hook, the Terminator for Christ's sake, Brad Fidel, 
Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of also look at look at the when we went. I mentioned them earlier. Well, when, what we've been listening to this week. Look at um, Eurythmics. They, they, I mean, yeah. Sweet Dreams. That's a riff. Yeah. New Order, Blue yeah. Monday. Yeah. I mean, that's a great riff. I mean, I, I I don't care like what what music you listen to. If you put most people will recognise that Blue Monday riff by New Order. Yeah, hundred percent. And what a riff, you know? I mean. Yeah. How anyone can't like that song. But do you think that, think that that was that was the song that was playing the first time I ever did Magic Mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was at it was at a DJ fest in uh, S- South Korea. And um I remember I was I actually they started kicking in as that song was playing, and um it was like the, the DJ, he, he did a, you know, the, the, the baseline from that song. Yeah. He, he kind of extended it for about a minute or two longer than it's normally played for. And I was just like, kind of like, have you ever seen that, um, the Simon Pregg program, Spaced? Yeah, obviously. You know, the cyclist. Yeah. Yeah, I was like that. I was like, in the beat. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like looking around just going, yeah. And then, and then I came to the conclusion that I could actually see the bass. And I could touch it, and I was like, "This is my mates, the bass. I can see it. I can touch it. I can bring it down. Look, I've got it." And they were just like, "How many mushrooms did you take?" And I was like, "Only two bags." Fucking hell! I can't, I can't, I can't share that experience. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Me neither. That's that's right. not one for me. Yeah, you can. It, I I think a big aspect as well is is that shared shared heritage of classical music. Um, Think of metal. The thing, the thing that really separated metal from, I suppose, hard rock in the seventies and other forms of rock in the eighties was was the classical influence. Yeah, wasn't it? You know, hard rock was blues based to begin with. Yeah, um, very life affirming. You know, talking about love and sex and life and stuff like that. Yeah, good. You know, yeah, blues blues based. And uh, yeah, okay, it all crossed over and whatnot, but. You know, you think of metal, you think of the solos and the, the arpeggios and the scales and the influence from progressive music, which, OK, you know, yeah, there's a lot of jazz there and, you know, other forms of black, black music, but lots of classical as well. Um, lots more. Yeah. Lots more classical influence there in metal. You know, we have we have to acknowledge the fact that the first big proper heavy metal riff was stolen from classical music. Black Sabbath, that first riff on Black Sabbath was taken from The Planets by Gustav Holst. The opening to the Mars suite. Do you think um do you think that uh that that link with classical music, well obviously we're going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but that link with classical music just gives metal fans that bit of a um of a higher plane over other music fans because we can link it back to music like that. Yeah, I mean how how much how many people you, you think of a, you know the, the musicians in metal who you think of metal, metal heads that play music. How many of them are classically trained? Yeah, yeah. compared to punks, and, and no disrespect, but a lot of you know a lot of punks play play music and went for that approach because they weren't classically trained. But it was a do it yourself, just pick up a guitar and do it. Yeah, I think people who are classically trained might have had mm. just an appreciation of music in a different way. Yeah, um, but pushed them onto metal more because it, 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 there was an appreciation for it. And I have to say, for me, yeah, I play piano. I managed to get up to grade seven. Uh, and it took me a few years to get into metal, but I, yeah, absolutely that involvement in classical music was definitely 
I'm not surprised I got into metal. I'm really not. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, it, think, and it stands yeah. to reason that you've had metal bands over the years performing with orchestras. It just works. Yeah. You know? But, but you have to th- remember the fact that you, you go back to that cinematic movie score thing. It was year zero, I say year zero, point zero for all of that was in 1971 when Wendy Carlos scored A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. You'd had you'd had stuff like Forbidden Planet and Doctor Who using yeah. electronic music, radiophonics and whatnot. Yeah, hugely influential. But you know, Wendy, she played the, the, the keyboards and the synths that she had available to her at the time, and she basically played Beethoven stuff electronically. So straight away you've got that link between electronic music and classical right from the start. And that's kind of how you know the artists, you know, used them in prog, kraut rock. And yeah, the, the, the post-punk artists yeah. all goes back to that. Um, you know, it's, you know, European, while people were doing stuff with the blues and doing things with that, Europeans were utilising electronic classical into their pop music in their own way. And yeah, Ben obviously came a musical artist. And, it's, and I think that's it. You've, you've got, you know, you know that, that synthesizer music, little metal you've got that strong shed of classical influence um with that melody that hook that scale um where so many other forms of music is very beat and groove based i think we you know by the process of elimination we we're starting to see now where the link is between metal and synthwave so let's move on to the artists a little bit and certainly the artists that are around now and and those that are kind of starting to 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 get to that next level of of um you know commercial appeal and festivals and all that kind of shit thanks sorry i mean i just found a quote from uh carpenter brew uh my life is pretty much only to be a musician i don't have a special life i'm a son of metal and the metal scene is one of the richest in the world I gather completely different people, metalheads, electric fans, young people, old people with, for example, politics. They always want two different people together under a common program, something like that. With Carpenter Brute, you get so many different people in the same place at the same moment. And I'm proud of it. That's quite, it's quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's, that's a, um, that's, that's, that probably sums a lot of it up, to be honest, is why, why the, the appeal is starting to grow. Yeah, absolutely. It does because appeal to so many different people. An enjoyable form of music. There's, you know, it's a celebration yeah. uh, of of an era uh, in a in a in a fantasy way. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the artist then for a yeah. minute. Um, and you know, for anyone who's listening who who hasn't really listened to any synthwave artists and is interested in it um what are the what are the good places to start who are the most accessible and and as, as a bit of a side swipe if there was a big four of synthwave yeah. who would it be okay well i'm gonna I'll, I'll focus on the dark synth stuff at the moment because that is where there clearly is the, the link to metal and i think more of an attraction there yeah. um the first obvious one for me is perturbator yeah i've mentioned um he's a few albums in yeah sort of started off doing a sort of video game um, imagery but a bit darker a bit more um, a bit more goth um, the the album to check out is the uncanny valley which he did about five five years ago which was this good middle ground of a classic dark synth wave and the 
the stuff he's been going into recently. So yeah, Perturbator. His last album was pretty much a dark wave album, very goth, very post-punk, but very good. It still fits with his evolution. Yeah, there's you know, metalheads of a certain it will absolutely love that. The next obvious one is Carpenter Brut, I would say. Um, so we mentioned him lots of times. So yeah, he's 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 got two albums and then uh, he did. He started off with three EPs, which was collected into, into an album. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very, yeah, synthwave, but he approaches it like rock music, definitely, his work. Um, there's definitely some songs there. He's partnered with other artists. Uh, very cinematic in quality. In fact, these, these two albums are the first two albums in a trilogy, which is about a serial killer. Uh, who started out as a nerdy high school kid, became a rock star and is killing killing people. So lots of inspiration from 80s slasher movies and whatnot. And he's done fake videos, um, which you can watch and, and, and whatnot. Um, but the music, it, it stems from, you know, very solid dark synth wave to, you know, classic 80s heavy metal um, at times. Tracks like Beware the Beast. Um, June! And on the latest album, it, well, it ends with with what is, you know, a black metal um, collaboration. Um, but halfway on the album, you've got this absolute belt of a, you know, it's it's electro pop. You know, it could well have been sung by Madonna in the mid '80s. Quite frankly, it's a dance floor filler uh, called Lipstick Masquerade. It's just, you know, it's not metal, but it's just one of the best, you know, accessible tunes you'll hear all year. I'd agree um, with and that. And he, he, he can do stuff like that as well as he can do the sort of the heavy stuff. Um, so, yeah, Carpenter, absolutely. Um, I'd also say Dance With The Dead, who you've got the T-shirt there. Um, and they're, again, particularly, they're particularly accessible. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've not really listened to them much. And I think that's because I've kind of, in some ways, I've almost kept the sort of synthwave and the metal stuff separately in my mind. And they're, they're a very, very good common middle ground and I kind of just need to give them a proper go I think yeah. because I'm either in one mood or the other and they're just in the middle for me I mean for me from what I've heard they're they're, they're like a synthwave Rammstein very mechanized yeah very straightforward but a good beat good yeah. riffing again you could dance to it yeah <laughs> you know, it's in the name full, um, it's full of hooks it's full yeah. of riffs as well absolutely you know, yeah lots of zombie that. imagery and all that kind of stuff so yeah dance with the dead definitely um and I would also say, certainly for, for, for Dark Synth, Ghost. So Ghost without the H. Uh, this is a, an American chap who, again, he was pushing harder stuff. But some of the stuff he's done, it's, it's very black metal, very dungeon synth, but not that far um, um, in terms of inaccessibility. Because a lot of the black, electronic black metal is just so harsh to listen to. It's unlistenable unless you're really inclined that way. He pushes those boundaries, but he, he just keeps it accessible enough. Um, but it sounds really nasty, but it's just got that, you know, appealing quality. Um, and I think the, the album before last, again, very dark wave, very goth in its way. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those four in terms of dark wave are, are definitely the big four for those, for me anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think of, of, of those... Um... Uh, to be fair, Ghost, I haven't actually listened to a lot of. I've, I've listened to bits and pieces, but I haven't actually given it, you know, a um, a really good listen. So I, I'm, I'm going to go away and do that. Um, but the other three, certainly, they they are 
they're they're out there at the minute. They're out there on their own, and and those particularly Perturbator and Carpenter Brute are starting to appear on more and more metal festivals now. And and I think it 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 works. And I can see it, like I said, going back to a festival like Bloodstock. If you had said 15 years ago there's going to be an electronic artist at a Bloodstock lineup, you know, you, you, you someone would would blow your head off. Whereas now I can yeah. see it fitting really well. Yeah, you know, late night headliner in the tent kind of thing, and in the darkness it would work really really well and you know metal fans we're, we're all we're all the same we can be quite narrow-minded but we need to open our ears to this stuff because you know i've 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 long been a you know a fairly narrow-minded metal fan um back in in my teenage years i was it was massively into the prodigy huge they're a huge influence on me when i was sort of 15 16 17 and it's almost like this is this has got a similar kind of feel to it there were you know, big I was, in, I was into yeah. rock and metal at the time, but the prodigy was like, "Fucking, this is fucking so in your face and so intense," and it had just a different, a different appeal. And I get, yeah. I'm getting the same thing from this kind of music. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, I, that's it. Such, it, there was, there was a massive kickback, but so many people, so many uh, metal fans were like, "Man, we like the prodigy. They're great." Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the prodigy when I was just into chart music as an eleven-year-old. There was something about them that was just different. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't pinpoint it, but I really liked them. And when I was getting into indie a few years later, and the Jill Generation stuff came out, it was still it was still great. And by the time Fat of the Land came out, I was into metal, and it was like they're still brilliant. And I I can't I, they're just they're one of a kind. I could never quite put my they're, mind. They're one of the um, one of the the one of the bands with the biggest cross genre appeal. I think of possibly of all time. They 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 do it. It doesn't matter what kind of music you're into. The prodigy kind of sat in the middle of all of it. Yeah, I'm actually yeah, gonna. If you, if, if you go, like, I mean, I think one of the reasons why prodigy were very popular, especially when we were growing up in the '90s, is if you go back to what I was talking about the other day with working class culture and this idea of reification, and that you're rebelling against something that you can't necessarily put a name to. Well, I think by the '90s we could put a name to it, and I think the prodigy. The music for the Jill Generation album, that's a dark fucking album. It is, yeah. Like, yeah. there are so, I mean, like, Voodoo People is, the, and, but even the, 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 for me, it's the intro. You know, when the guy's typing and he's like, oh, I've decided to take my work back underground to stop it falling into the wrong hands. The entire album is, set up as a juxtaposition against what is considered at that time as being the mainstream. Then you open the in, in elite in a, in a sheet and it's like always outnumbered, never outgunned the yeah. kid cutting the bridge, giving the finger to the establishment. So I think there's a very strong um, anti-establishment theme in that album. And then, and then you've got the, the very, I mean, and this is, this is, I think one of the genius of the album is, do you remember at the end of the album, you've got the skyline suite. Yeah. There's that song three kilos. Yeah. And it's basically is when you've when you're at the club and you've done a shitload of drugs, you go to the chill out room. Well, this is the kind of music you're gonna hear in the chill out room. Yeah. So it's basically the entire album was laid out as you're gonna go to somewhere, you're gonna do drugs, and then you're gonna go to here and we're gonna take you there and you're gonna just sit and we're gonna give you three songs which are just really chilled compared to voodoo people, no good start the dance, their law. Break and enter. I mean, those those songs were in your face. They were loud. They were they were fast paced, and um, 
I don't know if if maybe synthwave and dark synthwave have the same kind of relationship with kind of uh, club slash drug culture, but there's it's... probably some there's probably someone somewhere listening to Carpenter Brute doing a load of poppers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I think. No, it was, it, it's, they've, they've come from different angles, to be honest. I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be people who do that. But the thing is, you don't really, you don't really have sort of like synth, synth wave clubs in the same sort of way. Um, the, prodigy, the Prodigy did come out of the rave scene anyway, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, their, their first album was rave. I mean, pure yeah. rave. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the interesting thing is some of these dark, these dark synth bands we've mentioned, they do tour. Because that, that's because they push their music in a sort of direction that allows them to tour. A lot of synthwave artists don't really tour. You know, they're people who make their music in their bedroom for a laugh. Um, they might do a sort of DJ type slot behind a desk here and there. Or you've got these, I think I've seen there be these sort of like days, you know, sort of like a, uh, you know, days down down a particular club or nights where they do an event where they get together, but they're they're not really touring artists. A lot of them have day jobs. Um, yeah. honest with you it's, it's stuff yeah. that it's, it's basically they're just making music that sounds good they want to make for a laugh and it's just developed from I, mean, there. I think going back to uh sorry just to uh go back to computer games because i've just found some more stuff so there's actually apparently there's a term in, in synthwave um called outrun yes yeah which describes the uh visuals and that's actually a direct reference to the, the computer game Outrun, which is 1986. That's the one where you just had a car and you raced around a track. And oh, it was on the NES and the SNES and the Atari and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it used to be one of those games that if you went into any coin-operated arcade, there'd, there'd always be an Outrun machine. But the, I remember the soundtrack from that game, and it was very kind of influential on some of the synthwave I've heard. Because, you know, sometimes, you know... It, and again, it's this idea of familiarity... You'll hear stuff in a synthwave track, and you'll just kind of like pick up and be like, "That's not, where have I heard that before?" And it, you you haven't heard it before, but it's got yeah elements that you have. So again, I think the familiarity. The other thing I would say is um, I've just found this on Spotify: um, "Death of a Cyborg" by Power Glove. Power Glove, yeah. It's, it's, it's the soundtrack soundtrack for the computer game Far Cry 3. So a lot of this stuff has been embedded into current or computer games that have come out in the last 10 years. And I think that's laid the foundation for... Mm. Because, I mean, I mean, we're in our 40s now, so a lot of the people programming computer games are going to be around the mid-30s or, or mid-40s. So, you know, there's that influence. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a generation that, you know, because we soaked up that kind of culture when we were kids and early teens and whatnot. And we well, yeah, it just goes back to this idea that, you know, I'm I'm kind of a big deal and that just kind of confirms it. <laughs> I mean, because, like, you know, we're now, we're, we're at the forefront. We're, we're the spear tip of progression. The fulcrum, okay? <laughs> On that note. Well, I want to, yeah, I want to come show. back to it. <laughs> I want to come back to a couple of things actually because we talked about the prodigy just now and obviously you know they come they come from Basildon in Essex yeah. so working class edge of not quite edge of London but just not deep you know sort of a rural Essex um 
So them, them and Depeche Mode, yeah, my favourite band, do different things, but yeah, they, they, you know, are big, are big deals to that town. But there was another band from Basildon um, who had adopted the term electronic punk long before the Prodigy have, who never quite got out of cult status, but I loved, and it's a band called Nitza Ebb. Um, you know, and imagine imagine if early Depeche Mode went rave before rave happened. Very beat based, fast, shouty, quite you know, quite punk. Um, worth listening to. It's not there, there are many hooks. It is very beat based, but it's got that sort of synth gone rave be before its time, but heavy. Okay, that's, that's um, the one on me. Yeah, yeah, 1982. Yeah, so that goes back a long way. Yeah, they're one of those who are they were ahead of their time, basically. So yeah, okay. so yeah. I also, yeah. while I'm here, I'll I'll do a big four for basically synthwave, so non dark synth artists, because yeah, that's that's where it started, and that's yeah, that's where a lot of metalheads got bought into it anyway. First one is Kavinsky, who's funny enough, his album was called Outrun. When he finally did a did a did an album after all those EPs, like I say, the Godfather of synthwave, No Kavinsky would have looked very very different, I think. So definitely do do check that out. Um, I'm also going to say The Midnight, not Midnight, the Canadian, yeah, I know, yeah, uh, the Canadian sort of speed metal merchant, but <laughs> The Midnight. So my my Spotify algorithms are completely screwed. Um, yeah, a um, few albums in. Uh, it's synthwave, but very song-based, very chilled. But they've got all that sort of, you know, utopian um, cityscape imagery. They tour. I mean, I didn't even know they they toured Britain earlier this year. They sold out Brixton Academy. Fucking hell! Yeah, I know. That's that's the kind of cult fan base synthwave has got, and no one's got a bloody clue about it. So yeah, the Midnight have got that vibe. Um, Wave Shaper, I really like Wave Shaper, very video game based, very 8 bit sounds and whatnot. Um, even though, like I say, I'm not a hardcore gamer, but they've got so many different um sounds to them and hooks and fast and slow, loads of albums and EPs. Yeah, Wave Shaper, really like them. And the last one is Mitch Murder. Um, again, he's been, been around for as long as Kabinsky, I think he's Swedish. Um, he kind of goes down that sort of, I suppose, that 80s jingle route. Um, not so much cinematic, but you can imagine him doing um, jingles for adverts uh, and TV shows and whatnot. It's very 80s Saturday morning cartoon in vibe and whatnot. Um, probably not to everyone's tastes, but he's been kicking around for quite some time. And he helped score a 20-minute movie in 2015 called Kung Fury. Um, which have you seen that? No, I haven't. Right. I'm, aware, I'm aware of it, but I've not yeah, seen you've, it. I, if you've not seen it, it, it is a complete pastiche of kung fu movies and again, 80s, 80s synthwave retro outrun sort of imagery. The, the title theme was sung by David Hasselhoff. It's brilliant. Go watch it. Right. And I'm going to also have a shout out to Gunship, who crossed that boundary. Um, former member of Fight Star, who also shared a shared a member with Busted, the yeah. old pop punk group. Yeah. But yeah, Gunship straddle straddle the synthwave and outrun and, and dark synth fruit very well. Um, a few guitars here and there. Saxophone by uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Tim Capello, the guy who did saxophone on the Lost Boys. Okay. Um, 
he got John Carpenter to do a monologue on um, the main signal from the first album called Tech Noir. Of course, Tech Noir is the nightclub on the Terminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful stop motion play play animation video that pays tribute to all those those movies. Uh, yeah, lots of imagery, but heavy at times, but great songs, big songs. Um, yeah, Gunship. Um, and he's done he's done remixes and collaborations with various artists. So yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Just just there's so much out there. You know, you, you go there's so many playlists and this and that. On well, we'll um we'll do we'll do the usual weekly playlist to go alongside this episode oh, yeah. anyway. So um so we'll we'll put all the you know everything that we've been talking about. We'll put on that playlist and it'll it'll go up over the weekend. I'll um I'll put the like link on social media for anybody you know wants to have a dig at it, but. Coming from a, from a metalhead's point of view, I honestly I can I can recommend synthwave. I really can. It's it's a bit of a break from metal, but it still has that same kind of feel to it, which is what we've been saying throughout this whole episode. Really, it's music for people who want to go to the gym. <laughs> I don't want to go to the gym. I, I don't mean that in a in a derisory way either. It's like you know, I mean. You know, you, you go to a gym and you get all this like, crappy dance music. I'd rather have like dark synthwave or carpenter boot playing when I'm like trying to do stuff at the gym rather than uh, you know, some yeah, of the know, crap. You, you know what you can see you can see the fucking roid heads putting up with it. Yeah. You're really good. It's not metal, it's no guitars, there's no shouting, it, it and there's yeah, there's a beat to it. I mean, dear God, I mean, just like just once it'd be nice to go to I mean I, I think there's a market out there for someone just to open up a gym that only plays like heavy metal music because like I, I'd love that, you know, because like I'm I'm sorry, but like songs like Whiplash or any anything of like Slayer's first four albums is great for like, you know, when you're working out because it's just it's so fast, and you're like, you know, I know what I do is I'm like, well, I know the guitar solo is coming. I know the guitar solo is like 20 seconds long. So, right for 20 seconds, I'm going to try and get my BPM up over 150. You know, just for that, just for that guitar solo. See, no, I, I, I heard, I heard along the grapevine that your favourite song to work out to is "Down with the Sickness" by Disturbed. <laughs> but yeah, that that wasn't me. That was my, uh, that was the guy that made the video. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's what that they that was my fault because like, they were like, "Oh, send me send me a metal song and I'll put it on," and I didn't send them one. And then, uh, um, they uh, they put they put they they put the sickness on, and I, I said straight away, "I said you realize the trouble you've just caused me." <laughs> I said, "I'm gonna get rinsed for that." So yeah, there, there is a video on Instagram of me kicking around doing kettlebells, and it's uh, disturbed. I mean, like that song they've. That band followed me like a, a a foul stench. I mean, not only have they embarrassed me at the gym, they've cock blocked me before. So, like you know, <laughs> I, I can tell you now, you don't want to be on the treadmill when Slayer come on. Yeah, Mate, I've done it. It's, it's, no, I've done know. it. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. No, no, I put. I I did a play when I, I don't listen to music when I run a lot of the time these days because I like the escape from noise and sound. I like that freedom. But when I when I did once, yeah, I put some Slayer onto a playlist and yes, it made me run fast and I nearly died. But for me, the, the <laughs> best one, because it's got a really good rhythm and it's fast paced for like, if you're on the treadmill, it's blackened. Yeah, I can see by that. By Metallica. Because yeah. it's, 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 it's got that, that military kind of stomp. Yeah, yeah. Or battery, battery's good as well. Master of Puppets is difficult because it's eight minutes, 32 seconds long. <laughs> and even if you do the damn, 
even if you do the middle bit, you go, right, I'm going to slow down in the middle bit. You've still done three or four minutes, you know, whatever. So, uh, um, but, you know, I mean, for, for the bench press, thing that should not be, because it's quite slow, du, 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 you know. I think some, something other than Metallica, maybe. Look, we, we've, we've gone down, we've, we've gone off on a real fucking tangent here. You know what? We'll we'll come back to this one as, as a bit of fun. Jesus because... saves by Slayer. <laughs> That's a good one for, for, the, for the bench press, for the weights. Um, Judas Priest, you've got another thing coming, be a great workout song. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I will we... say this like, you can go you can go to the gym now at, like, at Cambrai and uh, they've got the machines and you can just put your headphones in and you can actually upload your own Spotify playlist to the, the machines and they'll be there ready for you. I mean, like, you know, the times we live in. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've just got an image of everyone on Muscle Beach in LA in 1986 all listening to the Turbo Lover album. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pick this one up again because even I'm starting to get exercise now. I'm sat here next to this massive rack of weights and, and you know, my wife Sarah's firstly a qualified PT now and so I'm kind of trying to make an effort in my middle ages before the midlife crisis kicks in to get some exercise. So I think we'll 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 come back to this and and uh, and go into it because I think that's quite a lot of fun. Um, all right, next week normal um, normal heavy metal service resumes. We're going to talk about Finland because we did Sweden a few weeks back. So it's only fair to uh, to look at the rest of the of the Scandinavian region and and what Finland has given us because. You know, um, the, the country that has, am I right in thinking, the uh, the most heavy metal bands per capita in on earth, I think? Yeah, yeah, and it, most, yeah. most, and a prime minister that we don't have to be embarrassed about. Exactly, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll talk about Finland in more depth next week. So um, hopefully this has been a bit of an eye-opener to people who, you know, sort of thought about dabbling with Synthwave. And like I said, check out the, uh, the um, playlist over the weekend and it'll give you a bit of a taster. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, if we're going to do the Finland episode, we need to do it quickly because Finland won't be around much longer. <laughs> nah. The Russia's nah, coming. Russia's going to roll through. Yeah, yeah. Nah, then there'll be no they, more. There'll be no more metal bands. They'll, they'll just. They'll just basically. They'll just utilize all the dead Russians in the uh, in the ground already that Finland killed years ago. Yeah, the zombies will rise. Russian yeah. zombies. You know, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Nah. But, um, but yeah, on that note, um, thanks for listening and we'll, uh, we'll be back next week.